Hey guys, today we are here with our Persons with Lived Experience podcast with inspiring stories for unprecedented times with Dixie and Zona. This podcast contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take precautions for yourself. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the generous donations of the supporters of bringfreedom.org. Through your support, through our Venmo at Bring Freedom, we are able to support the persons with lived experience who are brave enough to share their stories here and avoid re-traumatization by them having to give away their story or their services for free while still maintaining these types of trainings as well as the all for one challenge that we have coming up on November 18th and 19th at no cost to you in order to completely end human trafficking in your community. If you would like to be one of the supporters of bringfreedom.org, you can visit our website or you can make a tax deductible donation to our Venmo at Bring Freedom. Thank you. I am Dixie, and I'm all about joy, justice, and fair trade fashion. I'm an anti-trafficking advocate, mom of many, and passionate worshiper. I am Zona, and I am a writer, a speaker, a person with lived experience of human trafficking and homelessness. I work with Christian Influencer Inspired, a tiny house enthusiast, and a serial foodie. Our guest today is Caitlin Spencer. She's a recent survivor warrior in the fight against online trafficking and sexual exploitation. In going through the convolution and stressful and at times scary process of fighting for justice for herself, she recently spoke at the Capitol Hill in June 2022 with three other survivors from around the country on raising awareness of online sexual exploitation. Her goal, along with many others, is for her own legal case to help make revenge porn illegal in Massachusetts, but also, importantly, federally. She will use her own voice and trauma, humiliation, and personal experience to save others from this traumatic experience. Thank you for joining us today, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we are excited to kind of dig into um, a little bit of your story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. All right. So my name is Caitlin Spencer. I live in Massachusetts. Um, I actually just recently quit my job last week as a funeral director and embalmer um, with everything that's been going on with you know, this, my case and, um, this movement of image-based sexual, you know, abuse online. I just kind of really, my heart just kind of really needs to be in it and I need to fight and help make change and, and do what I can from everything that I've gone through. So my story starts actually just two years ago in 2020, 
So in May 2020, I was informed that there were two sexual videos of me on um, this person that I used to be friends with uh, Pornhub account. And the first two videos on this person's account were of me. Um, I had no idea that he had an account or this is what he was doing. I was never asked. I was never told. And I instantly, you know, reached out to the person and, you know, he did admit to what he had done and, you know, was trying to delete it. And it kind of, you know, there's a lot to my case that I'm still, you know, I'm still active in my case that I can't speak on just yet. But um, Mm -hmm. for the, you know, that that initial day of being told, you know, you're on this person's account. I was just like, I went into the woods. I was dry heaving. I was just right there. I was like, my life's over. Um, my husband at the time, um, we got home and he started researching to see like where I was posted and when it was posted, just anything that he could find. And luckily, you know, he was really good. The computer I was searching and we found out that I, the videos were first posted in 2010. And so they've been up for over 12 years and I, Yeah. But at that time, so two years ago, so they were up for over 10 years and I had no idea at that time. Mm. So one of the videos, just to give like how it, how, how it is for a survivor when you see this is one of the videos on one account on one site, because it's never just on one site, it's never just on one account, had 906, 967,000 views. And then, wow. so almost a million. And then the other video had almost 50,000 views. And I found out that I've been on over 45 websites. There are over 5 million views. I'm in five countries. You know, when it comes to the internet and Pornhub, since they're the hub, all these other sites pull. Right. So it just, it spreads mm-hmm. and there's really no stopping it. So for the past two years, it's, you know, it's been that was a very traumatic time of my life and I've already had gone through a lot of trauma from my childhood, but this was, this is something that's different and how I describe the emotion behind it. The pain behind it is that my mother signed me away when I was 13 and didn't want me. I'd rather deal with her signing me over and saying she doesn't love me 10 times over than dealing what I've had to deal with this exploitation of these videos Granted, I am extremely strong and fierce and I'm going to keep fighting because it's who I am. I feel like at this point I have no choice, but I've lost friends. I'm now getting a divorce because of this. Um, my husband was couldn't handle it and was living a double life and went off elsewhere instead of being there for me when I needed it. But not just that, like mm-hmm. this is something that most marriages don't go through either. It right. was just so emotionally draining for for both of us and, and for everyone around us, you know, certain relationships with family members have been destroyed. Like, like I said, I, I'm completely changing my life with my job. And, you know, I would love to, you know, write a book and I'd love to really start giving speeches in high school because the person that exploited me, I, I, that's where we got really close was high school. And one of the things I wish I knew was grooming and how, even someone your own age can groom you and and coerce you into doing things that you never thought that you would do. So true. 
And I feel, especially with my childhood, where it led me to where I am today, I, I mean, for everyone, your childhood 100% defines and kind of sets you on a path to where, all right, which way do you want to go? And depending on the person and depending on like, you know, their mindset and where you're at, where I was as a teenager is definitely not where I am now at 32. So, you know, obviously the choices I made then is now going to ruin the rest of my life. I mean, it did. It absolutely did. Mm-hmm. And and that's and I shouldn't be ashamed of that. I shouldn't be ashamed that, you know, I had sex. I had, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There, right. There's no shame to that. I, what I do, mm-hmm. and this is what I completely, you know, always say and, and, and advocate for too, is it's all about consent at the end of the day. Whatever anybody does in their private space is for them to do. 100%. As long as both of the parties involved, adults involved, are given consent and agree to it, and mm-hmm. then there's, then that's fine. You're not hurting each other. You're not hurting yourselves. You're not hurting anyone else. Fine. But mm-hmm. then to put me out there on Pornhub, that's it. That's the rest of my life. I, I call it being virtually raped. Yeah. That's what it is. And, yeah. And in Massachusetts, there's no laws. Um, so my case was dismissed this year and, you know, it's, it's just been a very long road w- with all of that. And luckily I, I was invited by the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, you know, Nicosi, they have been absolutely fantastic um, people in my life and, and a great support and all of this. Um, they invited me to speak at Capitol Hill along with three other people. And it was probably the most incredible event and public speaking event I think I've ever done in my life. I never thought that that's what I'd be doing, but it's, you know, to raise awareness on this is where we're at. I mean, we've been, this is where we've been at since the internet's been, you know, right. been about, but every single person, no matter what your age is, you know, you have technology in your hands. Mm-hmm. Why are there not stricter laws? Why is it? You know, why isn't big tech held accountable? Why aren't these websites held accountable? Like the person exploited me, nothing's happened. I've had no justice. And my life has been destroyed and I have to sit here and just accept it. Absolutely not. Nope, that's not who I am. I'm going to make sure that nobody goes through what I went through. Because I can tell you right now, out of every all the survivors that I have met, because I met, there was 18 of us from around the world that recently got together in California and um, every single one of them, for the most part, was, yeah, I, I want to die. I'm going to kill myself. Oh, gosh. You just, you you know, for women, especially, obviously, this is what I can speak on. Oh, it's okay. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not okay, but it's something that, you know, I can definitely speak on now is, you know, your body is out there as a woman. You're instantly, I hope it's okay to say this, a whore. You know, it's you, you're instantly stereotyped and have the stigma against you. So I was in mortuary school at the time I found out I was a year in, I had one year left to do. I was changing careers from, I was working at a trucking company, working at a desk to going back into a health field. Well, but this was, you know, funeral directing to help people. I absolutely love helping people. Um, And then I just thought, okay, I'm going to get kicked out of school. I'm going to get fired from my job. Like, that's it. My, my life's done. Like as a woman, we can't say anything. So like I had to keep quiet for the longest time on what was happening. Right. Right. It was uh, very, very it was, it was tough. from all of the healing and the support that I've had, I luckily got into trauma informed therapy. I have a trauma informed therapist. I, I specifically made sure to get a therapist for 
this type of situation. And I'm all about mental health. I'm all about therapy. And for any survivor, like instantly, please get into therapy if you can, which I know it's very hard to get appointments. But after the first month after I found out about the videos, I got into therapy. And if it wasn't for my therapist and my primary care doctor and all of my other specialists, I have a lot of health issues and my family, my friends, my, you know, even my job that I just recently left, like I've had amazing, amazing support. And um, I know a lot of survivors out there, unfortunately, that are trafficked that don't have that support. So if I can be that person for anybody at the end of the day, that's always something that I, I, I always say is. I want to be a shoulder for someone because I have a lot of shoulders. So I want to be able to use my privilege of that and give it to someone else if I can, because this isn't easy. This is, this is draining. This is the most mentally, emotionally draining and physically draining, draining thing I've ever been through in my life. Mm-hmm. Of course. And it's so important to get that, the therapy and the, the care that you need, the trauma informed therapy, especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then from this and all the trauma that I've endured, it, it, kicked off you know this eating disorder that I have and it's just I have an eating disorder from trauma Mm -hmm. specifically from trauma so when with PTSD which as you know those of you that are lived experience experts and we all have PTSD it's it's something that is just it's such traumatic events it happens we have it so when for me when I'm in a trigger I can't eat and it's something I'm coming to terms with and I'm working very hard on and I'm really trying to also advocate for because these are the topics that need to be discussed the uncomfortable topics the online exploitation the trafficking eating disorders suicide death these are the things that have to be discussed not because it's a negative it's because it's life it's reality so if I have it I'm not speaking on it because oh I read it in a book I'm speaking on it because I'm literally living with it so Mm -hmm. one there's a lot that I can totally talk on way too much about so (laughs) sorry if I get (laughs) off on a rant or off topic (laughs) no that's totally fine um I am curious if you could talk a little bit more um being groomed by a friend yeah the same age I think that that's something that is unfortunately we're facing more and more and we just want to be able to give whatever tips or wisdom you can share. I think the first thing that I, now that I look back on it again, now that I'm 32 and I'm looking back, you know, when I became really close with this person, I was around 15 years old is when we really started becoming intimate. Um, I wish that when I said no to things, I stuck with my no. Or I wish I didn't feel I had to, because of what I was personally going through, I didn't feel I had to look for this love and and give myself in these ways to get attention in ways that weren't healthy. So for my mother to leave, it was, I had this piece of me that was missing. You know, she didn't want me. Mm-hmm. She told me she didn't love me. She, this woman, you know, she had cut her wrists showed them to me and blamed me for it. I was 13 years old. I'll never forget it. It's something I, I, you know, I can freely talk about at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. So to go from that, to have a mother saying, I don't love you. I don't want you, you know, then who is going to love me? Who is going to want me? You know, Mm -hmm. as a teenager, that's what you think. You're going through so many changes. You're, you're in high school, you're making new friends, you're going through puberty. It's just and then I'm going through my parents are divorced. There's a lot of addiction, alcoholism in my family there was just a lot of, you know, just a lot going on. So with this friend, I, he, he gave me attention in ways that I just, I just gave in because I, I just was filling this void and he knew how vulnerable my life was. He knew 
the situation I was in. He knew everything that I was going through. I didn't hide anything. I talked to him about everything that was going on in my life personally. And he, oh, come on. It's the, it's the, come on, please. Don't you, you know, you love me. Don't you, you would do this for me if you love me. That's such classic lines. And then of course you're going to give in. And that was my best friend. And that was somebody I loved. And I was like, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you're not going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. and I don't even know if he realizes what he was doing, but looking back a hundred percent because he posted two videos. One I didn't even know was recorded in 2010 and Mm -hmm. kept them up that whole time. So you knew what you were doing, you know, there, you could have taken them down. You, you know, if, if you put them up and people say like, Oh, I put it up cause I was pissed off. I don't know what the reason is. I'll never know. And whether they try to give you a reason, is that really a reason? Is there ever really a reason? It doesn't matter what the reason is. You know, you did it period. And it changed my life. Well, I don't so, think the reason never ever really gives you peace of mind anyway. No, it, it's not like it, 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 what have you seen the example of when they like crumple the paper and they're like, okay, tell the paper you're sorry, but the paper never really goes back. Correct. Yeah. 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 Um, so with that whole process, um, I know that you said that it, it had been up for a while, but it sounds like you were still in at least somewhat contact with this person. Yeah. So that's um, where it's tricky. It's <laughs> messed up is, we were still friends hanging out even after he had posted them. And you had no idea. I had no idea. When I got married, he commented on my wedding photo in 2018. I got, had gotten married and he said, congratulations, Kate. If anyone deserves to be happy, it's you. Life looks good. Keep it up or something like, you know. And then a year later, it was reposted to another porn site. Oh not you know so i when i was going back and we were researching where these videos were online i was like you're looking at the dates when they're posted and i'm like and they were still being posted like after i got married and i mean i'm getting divorced now but it's still just there's just these you, you look at it like what the f-? Yeah. it's 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 insane it's insane what we go through as victims and every survivor survivor story is different everyone is has their own layers there's a lot of layers to my story um, and most people's there are and but we all uh, we all have the same fight at the end of the day is that whole consent I didn't give consent to be put online period right and the, the fact of the matter is this even if you had given permission for a video to be taken and for that to be put online he, he didn't get permission for the second video to be recorded at all nope. you know, let alone for either one of them to be put online so nope. I think we need to understand that it isn't just the, well, I got consent one time. No, every time, every time has to be given consent. Exactly. And this person monetized off of me. And so do these porn sites. So not just like, all right, you're exploited. You're out there. These websites are making so much money off Mm -hmm. of your exploitation, off of your nudity, off of your private life. Right. Mm -hmm. And you sit there and you go, what? you got to be kidding me. And I mean, I don't know how much money. I would love to know. But I know that mm-hmm. they did because that's what these websites do. And, right. and exactly with that whole consent thing, the second video I, that I didn't know was recorded, I was told I, I, I had to watch it to figure out how old I was because if I was a minor, it would have been, uh, you know. Child sexual exploitation. Oh, yeah. It would have been a lot easier for me. But 
Yeah. I wasn't. I was, I don't know, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. I'm 32 now. Right. But still, how much you change between, I mean, every year you change so much, even to the age of like 24, or 25. Oh, my, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I look so. back at 18 and I was going through at that time and I was like, uh, you know, do I regret agreeing to making a video? No, I did nothing wrong. Why should I, why should I be ashamed of that? It was my best friend. That's fine. I didn't agree to it being online though. At the bottom line, that's really is just what it is. And the right. fact that we're so behind technology wise in this country, other countries, mm-hmm. these other survivors I have met have lost. Countries have lost. Th- this, my state doesn't even have a law. South Carolina doesn't even have a law. All the other states do, except for two. And that's Massachusetts and South Carolina. Interesting. But not even just that, it should be federal. But not just that, it should be international. It's the internet. Mm-hmm. It should. So, I mean, I'm in other countries. Exactly. It's, you know, the spread of it is insane. So, and then a lot of what we deal with as survivors on top of that, I was trying to fight is the victim blaming. It's like, oh, well, you agree to that. Like, this is what you deserve. And, you know, it's, it's disgusting what we have to deal with that. We get fingers pointed at us, which is why we get very feisty and angry and we're putting our foot down like, no. And then it's the emotional toll on it so like all right so I found it in 2020 and I was like I said I was a year into mortuary school and then a year later not even a year later in 2021 I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis so now Mm -hmm. I have an autoimmune disorder so when someone's going through like when I found out about those videos for the past two years it has just been non-stop one thing after another after another and when you know I look back it's like how how we how we do it how much we push to mm-hmm. to survive it is insane what some of us do and i can see why some people just can't do it it is hard it is i, I i've almost died i almost died i had to go on medical leave i almost died from my eating disorder i lost mm-hmm. so much weight i was so weak i was so i just my body was just in this we got to survive we got to survive we got to survive and i just couldn't i just couldn't snap out of it it was just in such this trauma especially after i found out my husband was living this double life and then I went and spoke in DC and then came back and, you know, I was supposed to, we were supposed to sign for a house and there's just, again, there's just so many layers to what people go through. It's not just, all right, there's two videos of me online. There's so much more to it. Right. Could you touch on that a little bit about some of the layers of your trauma that has led to this? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So just, so the, there's the trauma layers from my childhood and then from this trauma for the past two years, it went from, okay, so I'm exploited to my entire life changed that day mm-hmm. instantly. And then it went to, I can't, I, I don't even know if I can leave my house. I mm-hmm. feel like everyone is staring at me. I feel like I am naked. I feel mm-hmm. like I need to cover up. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't even want to look at myself naked. I was so, it, it just affects you in this way. And your brain just tricks you in this. It's crazy what your brain does and makes you think and the th- stuff that you think. And then when you're walking around in public, you also think everyone has seen you and has seen these videos. And right. then like there were times where I'd be in the store and I'd be in an aisle and I'd start having, I'd start hyperventilating and start having a panic attack. I think somebody's following me. I'd have to just put my stuff down and run out of the store it's um so that's like those trauma layers of like the ptsd of like 
the victim blaming we have to deal with. And then, okay, now you have to function normally because you still have to work. Like I found out there was videos of me online. I went to work the next day. I, I regret that. I wish I took time off. I just kept going and kept pushing. Same mm -hmm. when I found out like that my husband had cheated and, you know, we, it was over. I was like, okay, I went into work like the next day. Like I, I had to, I still had to go into work and there was other stuff that had happened, um, some family stuff that happened and that was very traumatic to where I had to slam a door and lock it. And I thought I had to call the cops and a family member. And I was hiding by my couch think with pepper spray thinking somebody's coming in to kill me. It is just PTSD does this crazy thing to your brain. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the exploitation happened from that. Um, I lost friends. So that was I had friends that just didn't understand what I was going through and, you know, you can't let this change you and, you know, you got to get over it. And it's like, well, that's not how this works. No, whether right. it's good trauma, bad trauma, like whether it's something good or bad. And I was talking to my cousin about this and, and she's just absolutely incredible. I love my cousin. Um, and she was saying, even for somebody that like having a baby, that's a positive. That's great. That's still going to change your life. Yes. Mm -hmm. Perfect example. I was exploited and there were videos of me online. That's going to change my life. Period. End of story. Yes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that. And right. it's like, I can't explain it to you unless you've gone through it. You just have to just, you can sympathize. That's the difference with sympathy and empathy, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's awful that we even have to explain that, you know, in our thirties, but anyways, so I, I went through that layer of losing my friends and like that grief of that where they just, I just needed them to listen. I needed to vent a lot. I just needed to cry. I needed to experience the emotions I was experiencing. Then I, you know, lost a family member. Now, you know, I already don't have a mother. Now I unfortunately don't have a relationship with my father. Um, mm -hmm. I, then I, but at the end of the day though, always I'm trying and always will try to be the best that I can be. I always want to be a good person. And I'm still always going to try to help whoever I can. As much mm -hmm. as like my favorite thing right now is like, I hate men. I have a right to say that. I was exploited by, you know, a man. My husband cheated on me. I hate men. But I know it's, I want to help men. <laughs> it's nothing against men. I'm just really mad at them right now. But it's mm -hmm. not that. I hate them all. It's just, you know, I'm upset. But I still am going to fight for men. I'm going to fight for women. I'm going to fight for the LGBTQ community. I'm going to fight for every, you know, in, in the indigenous people and, and Black Lives Matter and every single person, any person that is breathing that has, you know, life in them deserves rights. And this is a basic human right that yeah. we are, that I'm fighting for. And it's sad. Mm -hmm. Sorry. This, totally no, went on another true. tangent. <laughs> This oh. is your space. This is your yeah, space. Yeah, it's just talk through. There's mm -hmm. so much that that goes through our heads, and just so much that's been happening the past couple of months. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we go through. I, I, again, everyone, every layer is different. A lot of us have like PTSD. Then there's complex PTSD. Then there's secondary trauma type of PTSD, mm -hmm. like from law enforcement. So mm -hmm. for a lot of survivors, law enforcement, we are triggered by them because we're not helped. I, I've had no justice. I've none whatsoever. Right. So, yeah. you know, and there's a lot that can be said, you know, about the legal system. I don't want to get into that. But, you know, speaking in D.C. and not just speaking at the Capitol Hill between that Monday and Tuesday that we were there uh, between the National Center on Sexual Exploitation and Exodus Cry there 
were meetings between House and Senate offices. So we were meeting with senators' offices and their constituents, and we were talking about bills that need to be passed, and we're talking about this awareness of exploitation online and trafficking, and not just for adults, but, you know, obviously for children. Children easily come across, you know, porn online, where it's it's so pathetic how easily it just right there. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, you know, we're fighting for a lot of things so that we can protect everybody. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that was probably definitely the start of the change of my life of I can do this. I can use my story. I can speak. And as you guys can tell already, I love talking. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of people can relate because I know I'm not alone. I am no, I'm not the only one with this story. I know I'm not the only one that's been through stuff and I know people have it worse. But what I'm going mm-hmm. through doesn't make it any less. And when I hear other people's stories that I can relate to, it makes me feel so much better knowing I'm not alone. And I will always advocate for that is that alone feeling Mm because for two years I I felt so alone. And then when I went to DC and I met Vicky and I met Udos, they, you know, for meeting them, I I, I talked to them all the time. They are a huge support of mine. And they were the first ones where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not alone. Holy crap. And then now I met more survivors in California. It's a whole new family of mine. And I just, I can't stop smiling at to where I am today from where I was a couple of years ago. My best friend, Brittany will tell you, my family members will tell you, I, 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 this isn't where I was. So yeah, I have to use this strength and get on these platforms like this podcast. Thank you, you know, for, for having me on here to talk about it. Cause it's very, very important stuff. Right. It is. Well, it's so I, important to share our stories so that others feel like I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not on my own out here just trying to survive. There's others. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And even if it's a survivor, it's not so much where we're, you know, I'm saying and other survivors are saying you have to join this movement. If you want to, we can guide you. We'll be here for you. I'm still in the learning process of all of this and I'm really excited and but mm-hmm. not just that on like, you know, the other side of it, just to be here for each other. Just, to, yes. hey, you don't even need to tell me your story. Just say, I'm a survivor and I'm having a bad day. You want to message me on Instagram? Hey, I'm here for you. I get it. It sucks. And you can have really crappy days. And it's okay to have those crappy days. Yes. As long as we don't stay in those crappy days, it's, you know, it's easy to. It so um, it's that reassurance and validation that's really important from other survivors that understand like, it's okay. Yeah. You're, it's okay to cry and you have to it's okay to be mad and scream I, we're not going to take it personal you have to let it out you know um, yeah I, I feel like that's very important to to get out there as well right um, I am you know so hopeful because of the steps that you've taken that are so empowering of you know finding trauma informed therapy and you know really deciding like you're gonna you know fight the the PTSD and the different things for yourself um, to be able to get to a place where you're healthy and whole and strong in order to continue the fight. Um, What would you say to somebody who maybe hasn't had a chance to um, dig into some trauma-informed therapy? To start looking for for some as long as they're ready because it is the hardest therapy I've ever done in my life. And I would say... If you are ready to get into therapy where not only did, am I obviously talking about being exploited and how it's affected me, like we started from childhood, 
So you're going to mm-hmm. dig up and bring up things that you might not know or remember has happened to you or, or might not realize has affected you is more of a bigger deal than you realized. You know, I look, can look back on my child and go, you know what, that really wasn't as normal as, you know, my parents made it seem to be, you know, and all of us can say that. So you have to be in definitely in that mindset to just get ready to cry and to really have to work your butt off. It's, it's not easy. Um, so I, I, if anyone wants to talk about it more, so like on the side, I, I can let them know, but you can do different exercises like EMDR, um, which my therapist is still was like, you know, you're not hundred percent ready for it. I'm still going through a lot of PTSD and, and trauma myself where you really, your therapist will tell you whether you're ready for something or not. Mm-hmm. Grounding techniques, safe spaces, feeling safe. Like it's really, a lot of it is just getting your nervous system. As my therapist always tells me back into regulation, your body always wants to be in homeostasis, right? It always needs to be balanced and equal. So for PTSD, for survivors, like it's just setting off our fight or flight, our epinephrine and norepinephrine is just firing and some of us fight some of us flight and it's just your body gets in this such tense state you got to bring it back down so for me when mine gets in that tense state it gets me very sick it, it sets off uh, my autoimmune disorder it sets off my eating where I can't eat so as long as you can bring yourself back down because my therapist and like my doctors and all my everyone else says you cannot fight a fight or get through anything unless you're healthy right. and that's sleep that's nutrition that's your basic you know your hierarchy needs that's the base of it there right so mm-hmm. That was something so hard for me. I was like, no, I just got to keep fighting. I, you know, that's what's going to keep me living. It's like, no, Caitlin, you need to eat. You need to sleep. Hold on, step back and, and love yourself, which mm-hmm. unfortunately for me, I, I wasn't raised on how to love myself. So that was something I learned at honestly this year at 31, um, which is incredible because I'm like, hey, I'm 30 and 32 and I like this is great. I, I feel like 30s are a great time to really find my find yourself in it and keep going. So mm-hmm. yeah, that type of therapy, unfortunately, um, is not in every state. But there are some organizations out there that do offer therapy for survivors, this mm-hmm. type of therapy to um, I'm not sure I, I'd have to look into it. But there are organizations out there that that will help you and some of it will offer it for free or help cover the costs because it can be expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going weekly and then at one point my therapist and I were texting every day. Yeah. So feel, if you feel like you don't have a good connection with your therapist too, it's okay to move on to another one. I am very fortunate. The first time I met my therapist, I mean, it was on zoom instantly. I knew she was the one, the way that she talked, it was exactly what I needed. So it's okay to also know you don't have to commit to the first one either. I feel that that's very important too. Yes. See, I struggled a lot with that because there was still, uh, when I initially went into um, some therapy, there's still so much victim blaming hmm. from my therapist. Yes. And oh, it was so because sorry. they were not aware of the extent of things that had happened. And there was all this pressure of, well, it's your job to get the to kind of a safe level. And it's like, no, I was three. That's right. impossible. Oh my God. No. Like, what on earth? Um, so I, I just remember like how um, empowering it is to be able to say, not this person. And that's okay. So we want to we include that. So even if you've had a bad experience with therapy, it's okay to say, yeah, not them. Or, you know, to interview them. Take your first session and actually ask them 
questions about their therapy practice, about their beliefs that, you know, they find really important or value. Cause I think that will be, um, necessary in order to create that safe space in order to do the level of healing that you're wanting to do and to to build that into your lifestyle for there to be wholeness oh absolutely yeah you definitely can't heal you know with someone you're not safe with because then you're not going to be honest you're not going to really be truthful like with my therapist I've never lied about any of the emotions or feelings I was going through like was I perfect in my marriage absolutely not I had a lot of anger I was so just confused and and whatnot but not once did I ever try to like (laughs) oh no I'm the greatest thing in the world and it's you know whatever my therapist Mm -hmm. was like no you we've been working on it you've been you you have you can't you're not going to (laughs) get better or heal properly and grow if you're not going to be honest so that's the other thing too be honest like it's hard sometimes telling your therapist like oh man this is going to be a little embarrassing I really you know I'm kind of disappointed I did this and every time I tell her that she'd be like why are you disappointed and that, that was the other thing from her. She's like, you know, you're learning. You're going through stuff right now. You're not doing it. There's really no decisions on me that have been like, oh, my God, Caitlin, what is wrong with you? You know, um, it's just little things. It's I, I'm doing what I feel is right for me in the moment. And that's the other thing, too, as a survivor is there's no right or wrong way to heal either. Right. It's you have to do on, on what's best for you. And anyone can give advice. Absolutely. Hands down. But everybody, everybody is different. Everybody heals differently. Mm-hmm. Right. That's very true. And it's all in different timing. Yep. Um, one of the things that I would love to know, because you had mentioned, you know, out to you on your Instagram, um, if you are a survivor and you are needing somebody to talk to, to be in your circle, um, what is your Instagram handle so they can message you? Sure. It's Caitlin. So K A T E. L-Y-N-N underscore Marie, M-A-R-I-E, 913. Perfect. Um, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, um, I, it was private. I don't think it's private anymore. But um, so, yeah, it should be, people should be able to message it, no problem. Okay, okay. perfect. Um, and then one of the things that we are so excited that you were able to do with uh, being part of Capitol Hill Day is um, you're actually able to kind of share some of your story through this other program. Bring Freedom's live anti-trafficking inspiration event is coming up on November 18th and 19th. Sign up for the All for One Challenge today. You don't want to miss this. Um, but as far as DC, I have on my Instagram, I have them, um, what's it called where you can kind of pin them to your page to watch. Mm -hmm. So the DC speeches are on there. If they want to see the other survivors that spoke, um, there was also parents of survivors that spoke. There were, um, and you know, uh, uh, lawyers and other people that had statistics and facts. There was a some a couple people from the UK that came over. It was a very very informative panel. Uh, that whole panel. Uh, two there was two panels for DC. They, they were both very informative. Wonderful. But so from another- that, um, sorry. So from the DC though, we met with Senator Lee, and he was the one that released the Protect Act last week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Wonderful. So we will be looking into that and we'll be linking some of those things down in the show notes. Um, but guys, we want these videos to go viral of, you know, some of these stories so that people, number one, understand that they're not alone. That's why, you know, we're doing this podcast is because there's been so much um, sensationalization mm -hmm. in and around um, human trafficking and exploitation and uh sexual abuse and and what it looks like and the actual um repercussions in a person's life the mess that is left by someone else that that has to be dealt with there has to be um a clearer picture of what it actually is and what it isn't in order to be able to take effective action in you know preventing human trafficking and exploitation in the future for everybody, which is what we really, we're our heart, soul, and desire is. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are so grateful that you were able to be on the podcast and um, just thank you for your insight and your courage in sharing your story. It's so important. Yes. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Yes. Thank you. I really appreciate it.